morning, everyone. going to continue in our Advent series uh, called Christmas. We're looking at uh, the reason for the season, and we've, uh, this is our third Sunday, uh, talking about different themes. And uh, uh, this morning, I wanted to look at uh, the book of Luke, and so we're going to open up to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read it for us, so if you would please stand uh, for the reading of the word. We'll be in Luke chapter 1. Uh, verses 26 through 28. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Have you ever desired a a breakthrough in your life that seemed uh, impossible or at least very or highly improbable? How will I be able to pay the bills next month? How will I get over the way that Uh, He or she hurt me. How will I ever be able to take care of my parents? Will I ever get married? Will I ever feel whole being single? How will I be able to get over the pain of, of losing a good friend? How will this be? We've had... Probably all of us can relate to one or more of those sorts of questions, these things that we want to see in our life happen, these breakthroughs, but we can't see how it will happen. Stephanie and I got married almost four years ago, and about nine months into marriage, uh, we started trying to have a baby, and... um, 
after about a year of trying, we decided that we should probably uh, get something checked out because nothing was happening. And uh, I did some tests, Stephanie did some tests, and, and Stephanie uh, came back just fine as always. And for me, uh, not so much. And it's funny, when we went into marriage, like none of us gave a second thought to dealing with fertility issues. Like we just thought, you know, first comes love, then comes marriage, <laughs> then comes the baby and the baby cares. We just thought, we just took it for granted that that is what happens when you get married. And we were told by the doctor that while it's not impossible uh, for you to get pregnant, it is highly improbable uh, without some additional help. And so we tried a few things, and those things didn't work. Um, and really, we were, all of a sudden, we realized that, that that third part of that familiar rhyme wasn't a given, that there was a very real possibility we might not have kids. And and so we were in this space of, of wanting a breakthrough, wanting something to happen, but, but wondering and asking, us, asking ourselves the question, how will this be? How will this be? And so if you've had that question this morning, this is a text that addresses that question, how will this be? And that's the title of this message, how will this be? And the subtitle is Expectation in the Midst of the Impossible. And there's, there's four things that I want to talk about in terms of how, how our expectation in the midst of the impossible relates to Christmas. What is, what is, how does Jesus coming affect our expectations? And there's, there's, four, there's four things I want to bring about or bring out from this text. Uh, the first is uh, because of Christmas, we can expect the unexpected. The second, we can expect favor and not fear. The third is we can expect to receive a forever king. And the fourth is we can expect what's impossible to be made possible by the power of God. Those are the four uh, expectations that I want to walk through. The first one, uh, we can expect the unexpected. Let me start with verse 26 and 27. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. God often starts with unexpected circumstances. God often starts with unexpected circumstances. And the first unexpected circumstance is the city that is involved here. The city is Nazareth. Now, this is an unexpected city. It's, 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 uh, it was in the middle of nowhere from a Jewish perspective. It'd be like Yelm, Washington today, right? It's just, it's just not where you would expect to find your future political leaders to come from. And I'm sure there's good and decent people living in Yelm, Washington, right? Um, but, but Nazareth was like that kind of a city. It was rural and not urban. It was the place where later uh, someone says, you know, well, 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 does anything good come from Nazareth? And it doesn't mean that there aren't 
uh, good people. It just means you're not expecting the next king of Israel to come from this city. It's also unexpected person. So Gabriel is one of only two named angels in all of Scripture, the other being the archangel, archangel Michael. Just two named angels in all of Scripture. And here's Gabriel. Now, Gabriel, we've seen before in Daniel, Gabriel is the, the messenger angel who comes to deliver news about what uh, Daniel's dreams and visions meant. So he was God's angel who comes and gives God's important words to important people. He came and spoke to the prophet Daniel. He also came in, in just very, this very book in Luke. He spoke to Zechariah, who was a priest. And now he comes and he speaks to a teenage girl. A teenaged girl. Now, in their time, and maybe even in our time, a teenage girl would probably not be at the top of the list in terms of VIPs. Prophets get priority. Priests get priority. Kings get priority. Men get priority. But a teenage girl would be last on the list. But Gabriel comes and speaks to this girl. In God's economy, God says, Mary gets priority. Very important news. The most important news in all of the world, being carried by perhaps the most important messenger that God has at his command, and he gives it to this little girl. It's unexpected, unexpected city, an unexpected person. And why am I making a point of highlighting the unexpected nature of these things? I think the reason why this is important for us to understand is because just because we expect things to happen in a particular way doesn't mean that if it doesn't happen that way, it's not God's work. Oftentimes, we think we, like, we would expect Jerusalem. That would make sense to us. And if we knew our Bibles, we might even expect Bethlehem. That makes sense to us. And so often we, we put a, a lens on life where we see things through our own expectations. And if it doesn't happen that way, well, then, then something's gone wrong. But what, what we see in Scripture, not just in this case, but in all sorts of cases throughout Scripture, God does things in ways that are counterintuitive, that are unexpected, and sometimes when you see things in your life that, looked odd, that look odd, it's precisely a reason why God might be at work. I don't know if you've had that experience. Like, wow, this is going not the way I expected it to. And then you find out later that God's doing something. God works through unexpected circumstances, which means that um, we shouldn't be dismayed when things aren't going to our plans. Think about what Mary's expecting in her life. What is she expecting? She's expecting to get married to Joseph. 
She's probably expecting to have Joseph's kids, and she's probably expecting to be a loving wife and mother and live in a family and just go on about a normal sort of routine life. She's not expecting to meet the the angel Gabriel and be told that she's about to have a miracle happen to her. God interrupts her expectations with things that are unexpected, but in the grand scheme of things, better, more glorious, more amazing, more newsworthy. Consider your lives. Could God be doing a similar thing in your lives? Things that don't make sense, plans that haven't worked out. Could God be working in and through those plans to bring about something greater for his purposes, for his glory? Now, I'm not saying, I'm not prophesying that anyone here is going to have a virgin birth. Don't hear me say that. But could God be up to something? Clearly here, God is up to something with Mary, and we know the whole story, and and that's the beauty of, it's kind of the beauty of life, because we're sort of in the middle of the story, and we don't know, we kind of know the end end, but we don't know like the next steps, and that's what makes life interesting. It makes it hard too, right? I want to know the next steps. I want to know the path that I'm going to take. But God doesn't always let us know what that path is. He just lets us know that his purposes are good and that we can trust whatever path he takes us. And just because it doesn't look like how we would write it doesn't mean that God's not working. We can expect, in God's economy, we can expect the unexpected. And the unexpected should not be cause for concern. Now, doesn't mean that the unexpected is not scary. And that's what I'm going to deal with in the next point. We can uh, expect favor and not fear. There's going to be a temptation to fear when we get the unexpected. Let me continue reading through verse 28. Can you catch this pen? Thank you. Don't need it. All right. Verse 28. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Because of Christmas, we can expect favor and not fear. Now, in this passage, I just want to picture, um, uh, want you to picture yourself as there. You're in Mary's shoes. You're just going about your, your normal day. And all of a sudden, you have an angel come and speak to you. How would you respond? Let me tell you, you would be scared. You would be frightened. When we read in Scripture, people who see angels almost always are frightened. They're terrified. It's not necessarily that the angel, the angel's not going, or, or, or like, I'm going to, you know, it's just the surprise element. Like, oftentimes, all you need to be scared is surprise. And it reminded me of this, of this uh, viral video that I saw. I, I'd like to show it real quick. Um, it almost doesn't connect, but it's just so funny. So uh, can you go ahead and, and play it? With sound? 
Sorry, pause it, pause it, pause it. Hit the sound thing on the, on the video. The little, I think, uh, oh well, rewind it, just play it without sound. Okay, so it's just this video of a, like a regular corner street, and, oh, is it not working anymore? Oh, there we go. All right. This guy running, they're like, hey, that's weird. And then it pans out here. Like I said, it almost doesn't connect, but it kind of... So, so, so here, here's what... It reminded me of that, because I don't... I think you could have put something else other than just a dinosaur. The dinosaur... I think it could have been a purple dinosaur. A big purple dinosaur that was singing love songs. Okay? The element of surprise, it's around the corner, you're not expecting it, and all of a sudden, boom, it's there. Like Mary is that that's what she's saying. She's she's scared by the unexpected. And and the angel's response is this do not be afraid. Well, first he says, Greetings, O favored one. Then he says, Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. I think we sometimes treat God this way. We think of God as scary. We think of God as out to get us or terrifying. We're just, we're just afraid to be in God's presence. Maybe it's because we feel like we don't deserve it. I know I've been there. Times where I felt like, oh, I'm just so sinful. I don't deserve to be in God's presence. I, I mean, there's been times where I've put, like, the Bible away from me, like, as a, as a physical example of me just feeling like I don't deserve to be in the presence of God. And yet the angel says, greetings, favored one, to, to, to Mary. Now, why, why does the angel call Mary favored? Think about it. Why is she favored? Is it because of how impressive Mary is? Probably not. There's nothing, nothing about the text tells us how impressive Mary is. Is it because Mary has lived a, a long life of obedience to God? No. Gabriel says, you have found favor with God. In other words, the reason why she's favored is because God chose her. God chose Mary, and because God chose Mary, Mary is favored. Jesus says it this way in John 15, 16. He says to uh, his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you. 
This is the way that God works. It's, it's like a fundamental principle and dynamic that we experience. That We're not necessarily looking for God. We're looking for our own path for our own way. We have our own plans to get where we want to go. And in the midst of chasing about those things, God interrupts our plans. God interrupts our journey, and he chooses. And he says to Mary, you're favored. I've chosen you. He says to his disciples, I've chosen you. And because we are chosen in Christ, we have favor. And I think some of us have seen God wrongly as someone who is sitting up there waiting for you to mess up so that he can punish you. And that's not the picture of God that we have. The picture of God in Scripture is of God who wants to love us, choose us, favor us. He says, do not be afraid. Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the spirit of the law, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. In Christ There is no fear. And by that, I mean there is no fear of condemnation or judgment. That in Christ, we can look at God as wanting to bless us, as wanting to favor us, as wanting to love us and be with us. That's the God we serve. We don't have to be afraid. And and it's, it's... It's not an elaborate point, but I want us to hear this this morning, that in Christ, you are favored. I am favored in Jesus, not on account of my works, not on account of my obedience, but solely on the basis that God says, I've chosen you, I've loved you, and I believe that. And if you believe that this morning, you are favored in a way that only God can favor you. Now, it helps to understand what that favor looks like. You can go about just saying, I'm favored, I'm favored, I'm favored. But if you don't have any idea of what the substance of that favor is, it's like it's going gonna, it's gonna to lose some effect, right? Or when we say favor, I'm not just talking about a mantra that you repeat to yourself, but there's, there's a substance to that favor, There's a shape, there's a form of what that favor looks like. And that brings me to the third point. Favor takes the shape of something. And to give you a hint, it's a person. The third point, Christmas changes our expectations so that we can expect to receive a forever king. We can expect to receive a forever king. Now, um, how many of you have, let me read the text actually, verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, 
And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Have you ever experienced good leadership changed to bad leadership? Okay. I'm going to give a sports example. Just warning. I know I give lots of sports examples, but I was thinking about it. This is the most clearest way I can understand it without getting political, which can be controversial. Sports is never controversial. All right. <clears throat> so... I've been a Mariners fan for a long time, and they were really, really, I know, Johnson does. they were really, really terrible for a lot of years, like basically from their inception until right about 1993. What happened in, in 1993 is they finally got a good manager. His name's Lou Pinella, if you want to look it up. So they never made the playoffs, like for, from 1977 to 1993. They finally get a good manager, and all of a sudden, something happens. The culture changes. Like, he had a, a history of winning with his previous teams, and now he comes, he brings with him an expectation of winning, an attitude of winning, and it changed everything. And if you were a Mariners fan in the mid-'90s to, like, 2001, it was a fun time to be a Mariners fan. They never quite made it to the World Series, but they had lots of good teams and lots of good players, and they were exciting to watch. And that's the difference that good leadership makes. Now, what's the problem? So we don't have that manager anymore. Something happened. The good times came to an end. The manager goes away. Bad management comes in, and the team suffers. And sports is a lot like life. There's cycles. You have good seasons, you have bad seasons. You have good seasons, you have bad seasons. And the problem is the good never lasts. The good is always short-lived. And what's even worse is even the good is not always good enough. Think about Pete Carroll, coach of the Seahawks. Most people would agree he's a good coach. Some would even say he's a great coach. And yet, he can, even, even the decisions he makes can be frustrating, right? Remember the second Super Bowl? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> even the people we would lift up as good leaders, maybe even great leaders, still frustrate us. And so there is no leader that's truly great, and there is no great leader that lasts. And that's like the fundamental frustration of life. You can take that from sports, you can apply it uh, downwards, and, or you can apply it uh, to any facet of life, from parenting to bosses that you've had to political leaders that are in power. Even the ones we think are good are not great, and the ones that are good never last. And what, what's happening in this passage the prophecy that Gabriel is giving to Mary is about a, a, a new kind of leader, a leader who is great, truly great, and a leader that lasts. He says in verse 31, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means Lord saves, the Lord saves, and bear a son, you shall call, or sorry, he will be great and will be called Son of the Most 
high. This is not great in the way that we often use great. He's saying great in comparison, in likeness to the God most high. This is the highest form of greatness. And not only will this coming leader be great, he will have a kingdom that will have no end. And so as we think about Christmas, as we think about the coming of Jesus, I want you to think about the futility of sports. I want you to think about the futility of our political leaders. I want you to think about the futility of your boss at work. The frustrations that we encounter on a day-to-day basis remind us that we need a leader that is great and lasting. Christmas is a reminder that we have a promise for God, from God, that he has given us a king who is great, worthy of that title, and he's a king who will reign forever so that we don't have to live with these frustrating futilities in every aspect of life, that we have a coming king and savior. He came and he's coming again. That's the sense in which we're favored, by the way. We're favored because we receive him, Jesus. It's not just about all our wildest dreams coming, coming true. We receive the gift of Jesus, and he's, he's promised that he will come again, he will set things right, and Christmas is a reminder that he's going to do that. How can we trust that Jesus is not just more of the same? Like, how can we believe that Jesus really will come again, that he really will do what he says he's going to do? That brings us to our last point, that, that Jesus... The, the proof is in, uh, it's almost like God stamps a signature of authenticity of his work. And that signature of authenticity is him being able to do the impossible. And he starts off with the fact that this Savior is born in an impossible manner. Okay, so that's the the fourth point is expect what's impossible to be made possible by the power of God. Let me read verse 31 again. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, this is impossible. Can we all agree? Right. He says, you will bear a son. And she's, she hasn't yet, you know, she hasn't known Joseph. So she understands that this is, this is very impossible. This is not just, it's not even just highly improbable. Like, like I, and I ask, how will this be for things that are a lot less impossible? Like Stephanie will say, the Seahawks, they can come back. And I will say, how will this be? Or the weather app say, it'll say it's going to be sunny tomorrow. I'll be like, how will this be? But there's more serious things, more serious struggles that we encounter. The doctor says it's cancer, but in Christ, you will be made well. How will this be? 
you've got mounting bills and you've got more month left over than money. And God says, I will provide for you. How will this be? The answer to how will this be is the power of God. It's the power of God. Mary asks the question, how will this be since I am a virgin? Verse 34. 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The answer that Gabriel gives is how will, to how this will this be is it's the, it's the power of God that will be made manifest in her life. The Holy Spirit and the, 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 the Spirit of the Most High would overshadow her. It would overshadow her perception of what's impossible. That is impossible, right? I mean, it it's, it's, a, it's a reasonable question to ask, how will this be? And it's okay to ask questions like that. That's not necessarily a bad question. If you look at the previous section, uh, beginning of Luke, Zechariah asks a similar question, but he asks in a doubting manner. So there's a way you can ask it that doubts God's goodness, but there's a way you can ask that question that believes God's goodness, but you're just trying to make sense of it. And it's okay to try to make sense of things. Like, I don't know, God, what you're doing. I don't understand it. I don't understand how it will come to be for my favor. But Lord, help me understand. And that's a question that Gabriel answers. He says, here, I'm going to tell you. It's going to be the power of God to do something in your life that only God can do. And her response is a response of faith. Verse 38. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, some of us would struggle with believing that God is able to do that. And I would say to you, there's, there's a lie that says that God can't do the impossible. It's just a lie. It's a lie from the enemy. We have testimony from Scripture that shows God doing the impossible all the time. I think the thing that's harder for us to understand is, is, is okay, okay, I believe intellectually that he can do that, but how do I know he will do that for me? I think that's probably where we tend to land at. Like, I could see that God's doing this in Scripture, and he's done it before, but how do I know he will do that for me? And I think there's a couple of things that will help. One is uh, we don't always get what we want in life. 
So God doing the impossible doesn't always equate to him doing exactly what we want. And if we think about that a little bit, we understand that is a good thing. Like if, if you're a parent and, and we're about, Lord willing, about to be, if you're a parent, do you ever tell your kids no? Obviously, right? Kids will ask for things that aren't necessarily good for them. Like you might have a kid who says, and they believe with all their heart that eating a family-sized bag of Reese's can be nothing but success. And they believe it. But a parent knows better. This is no, that will, that will be a failure. No doubt, that will be a failure. And sure, as we get older, we get wiser, right? But, but, but compared to God, like we're like children, and if we think about it, we understand that God knows everything, that, that we could actually have something that we believe is truly good, is truly righteous, and, and we think that God is holding back, but in God's great wisdom, he says, no, I know better. For you, that's a, that's a family-sized bag of Reese's if you get into that. It's too much for you. And God will say no for our good. God will say no for our good. It it goes back to really believing that God is good, right? If God is truly good, Jesus says um, he's like a good father. If a good father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more so our heavenly father who's perfect. He's perfect, and he loves us, and he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. That is the primary way we know God's favor is in his sending Jesus. That's why Christmas is a reminder of his goodness, his supreme goodness for us, that even in the midst of encountering obstacles, struggles, things that we would want to see happen in a particular way, we can trust that God is good in the midst of those things, and he will bring us to a good place. Christmas should be a reminder that God will bring us to a good place in Jesus, even if it doesn't seem like it in the moment. Stephanie and I, were, we thought pregnancy was going to happen a particular way. And when we found out that it wasn't, it caused us to pause. Like, wait a minute, God. Like, isn't this what's supposed to happen? Isn't this the natural course of things? And so we prayed. We asked God, make, make a way. Lord, we, we want to be parents. We believe that's a good thing. We, we, we think it's a good thing. But, Lord, you know better. It's in your hands. Lord, would you make a way? And, we, you know, we had tried a few things, and none of those worked, and we were kind of faced with one, uh, one option left, and that option uh, was very expensive. It was, we, we talked to the doctor, and said, well, you know, it'd probably be something like $25,000. You're like, whoa. And he said, it's not guaranteed to work. I was thinking, we wanted to be parents so bad, so we were... Like, should we drain our savings and do this option to become parents with not even the guarantee? Not even the guarantee. If you spend that much money and we come away with no kid, we would just be heartbroken. So we pray, Lord, make a way. 
Lord, if we can have kids naturally, we'd love to. And then uh, one, one, uh, one appointment, we were talking a little bit, discussing more details about the option. And the doctor, she said, you know, there's this, there's this trial coming up. Um, I don't know exactly when it's going to be. I don't know if you're going to qualify, but it might help cover uh, some of the costs. And at that point, I'm like, okay, whatever. Some trial that we might do. You know, I just, I'm not the kind of person that goes for these types of things. I don't know if you ever go to the mall and you see like the shiny brand new car and like the raffle ticket, you know, sign up and drop. Like, I never do that. I just think it's like pie in the sky. Like, what are the chances that I'm going to win a brand new car? Like, zero. So it's just a waste of my time. And I just thought, okay, great. She's giving us a false hope. And even if it does come through, maybe it's a few hundred dollars off, right, or something like that. Like, whoop-de-doo, $25,000, you get $500 off. Okay. That was just, I'm just being transparent. That's where my heart was at. It's like, okay, okay, we're still going to pay $25,000 if we want to do this. And, you know, she, she called back a couple of weeks later, and she said, you know what, I found out more about the study, the trial, and... Uh, you know, the trial is actually going to happen in the next month or so. It's kind of imminent. And I think you guys would qualify. Uh, and the trial is going to cover 100% of the costs of this treatment. And I don't know what exactly happened. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wait, Stephanie, make sure that they're saying 100% <laughs> of the whole thing. And she's like, yeah, they, they mean 100% of the whole thing. I was like, but we have to qualify still. <laughs> okay, well, we're probably going to mess up on the qualification, you know. <laughs> but we go in, she gets some tests, I get some tests, and we qualify. And the beauty of the, the trial thing, it, was, it would cover um, several iterations or cycles until you have a baby for like a year. Um, Praise God, we got pregnant on our first try through that option, and uh, we've been expecting now for 34 weeks, uh, and Lord willing, January 21st, we will have a baby girl, and uh, it's such, it's so cool to see how God works. I just, I, I attribute that to God, no doubt, and he didn't do it the way that we wanted. He did it a different way. I was telling Stephanie the other day, it's like, why do you think God did it this different way? And I said, you know, I think it's because it's a better story. And it gives God more glory. That's, that's what I have. And it's, it's a, I, I, one more thing. I will say this. One of the core values of this church is family. And one of the beautiful things that we experience was this is not the, I mean, for some of you, for a lot of you, this is not the first time you're, you're hearing this. And, and that's the beautiful thing about it, is that we had uh, many people praying for us, um, many people who were walking with us in this. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about the church, is that the, we can be transparent about where we are in our struggles, the things we're frustrated with, the things that we're sometimes fighting God with, but walking with other people who've been through some of the similar things we've been through or can just be there to be understanding and pray with us was such an encouragement for us that we got to experience Christ's love 
through this family. And now we get to celebrate what God has done through this family. And so as we remember Christmas, uh, let it be a reminder that God is for us even when things don't go exactly how we plan it, that he has destined for us a place and a person that is good. And that's where our hope should be. Let me pray for us. Father, I just thank you so much for your son's coming. Lord, he is... Jesus, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You reign at the right hand of God. Lord, help us to believe and and hold on to that hope in in the midst of um, things not working out the way that we would plan them. Lord, help us to expect good things through you. Help us to to cling on, Lord, to to your testimony in Scripture that demonstrates your goodness. Help us to hold on to the times where we've seen you come through in our lives in miraculous ways, in supernatural ways, in amazing ways, Lord. Help us to remember those times where you've, you've met us in our darkness, Lord, you've met us in our pain. You've met us in our questioning. You've come through. You've shown yourself faithful. How quickly we are to forget sometimes of your goodness. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, cause our hearts to worship you with joy this morning. Joy in your presence. Lord, joy in your coming. Joy in your coming again. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, At this time, I would also like you to respond in a few ways.